0: What is up, Dolphins and welcome to the Finn Sports Football Podcast. I'm your host Anthony John DeLeidy Jr. and today Fins up baby, we are celebrating. We are celebrating another Dolphins victory, 3 in a row. Dolphins move to 6 and 3 on the season after a 35 to 32 nail biter against the Chicago Bears. Tua, the Tua-led Miami Dolphins move to 6 and 0. When he is playing football, but before we get into the game and talking about everything that happened, first off, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Glad to have you here. If if you're not new, welcome back. Um, regardless, make sure to subscribe to the channel on whatever podcast streaming service you are listening on and give the channel a five-star review if you like what you hear. So, 35, 32. Dolphins officially moved to 6-3 and on the year, as I talked about, and I want to preface this at the beginning of this video because I think it's important that I start off saying, I'm happy we won. There is much more joy and happiness in my mind and in my heart right now than there is um, uh, uh, anger. And frustration maybe from certain things that happen in the Dolphins game. So I want to preface with that. I do always like to keep things fair on the podcast, which you probably know if you are a frequent listener. Um, I like to be fair with my criticism. I criticize when I need to. Um, I keep it real. It's not just all sunshine and rainbows. I like to criticize. I like to say the good and the bad. And on the podcast, like always, we're going to start off with the bad because I am a relatively optimistic person and I don't like to dwell too much on the negative. But nonetheless, you know, there are a lot of people out there that are of the mindset, a win's a win, which 100% is true. A win goes in the win column. doesn't matter if you win by one point or 100. It all goes in the win column the same. However, I'm not going to be a homer and a blind fan and not talk about issues that I think we're all seeing with this team before we get into some of the really, really, really good stuff, mainly from the offensive side of the ball in Tua, okay? So let me just address these three things, and we're going to talk about them in this order. Jason Sanders, Mike McDaniel's clock management, and the defense, okay? Just not, not even specifics, just the defense. Starting off with Josh Boyer. I raise this question to you, the listener, and I couldn't be more serious. It's not me joking around. It's not me trolling. I'm very serious. If you watch football, if you've watched football for more than a year, which 100% of you watching this probably have, you understand the importance of a kicker, not only in regular season games, but more importantly, in the playoffs. And I ask you right now, Do you believe the Dolphins will make the playoffs? I believe so. Do you believe the Dolphins could make a run in the playoffs and get to a Super Bowl? Well, the Bills lost to the Jets. They're 0-2 in the division. They're only one game ahead. The Chiefs struggled last week, or or yesterday, in in Kansas City against the Tennessee Titans. Their starting quarterback at one point, it was in the fourth quarter, halfway through the fourth quarter, Malik Willis had thrown four passes, I think. Or four completions, he'd thrown 10 passes, and they were losing 17-9. to So do you believe that the Dolphins could make a run? I do. I fully believe that. If you've watched football for more than a year, you understand the importance of a kicker. And I raise the question to you, is it time to move off Jason Sanders? And I believe that at the bye week, after this week against the Browns, I believe you have to. And the reason I say that is because in years past, when Jason Sanders misses a 55-yard field goal, we can all sit here and get super upset about it, but a 55-yard field goal is a really hard field goal to make. And at the end of the day, if you have a Justin Tucker, if you have a Harrison Bucker, one of those kickers, you're very lucky because they're automatic. However, there is no excuse there is zero excuse for missing a 29 yard field goal a 29 yard field goal if you don't know how they calculate distance on field goals they add 10 yards which is the distance of the end zone and then the snap takes place 7 yards behind the line of scrimmage so add 17 yards to wherever you end the drive so say you end on the 40 yard line 57 yard field goal so if you miss a 29 yard field goal that means that if your team makes it all the way to the 12 yard line basically inside the 12 like first and goal it's not a guarantee that you make a field goal in my opinion if you can't make a 29 yard field goal in high school we have issues that's bad if you can't make it in the nfl it's borderline pathetic And we've gotten to the point now where not only is it affecting us because we're not scoring points, but coincidentally, and actually really directly, it's affecting the game plans for offense. Because if you're a coach, and we saw it this past game, if you're a coach and it's third and five, and you're at the, I don't know, the 35-yard line, you're thinking to yourself, well, we might have to go for this. Say we get 4 yards and it's 4th and 1 and this happened. If we're at the 30-yard line, that's a 47-yard field goal. I don't know if my kicker can make it. And if we end at the 30-yard line and then they're going to get the field they're going to get the ball if we miss the field goal. If you miss a field goal, the other team gets the ball from wherever the ball was last on the ground. Meaning, if you're at the 30-yard line kicking a 47-yard field goal and Again, as I said, when it's snapped and held, it's seven yards back. That means the other team, if you miss, is going to get the ball at the 37-yard line. A 47-yard field goal should not be hard. It should not be difficult. It's more difficult, obviously, than a 29-yarder, but it should be automatic in the NFL. And the fact that this offense now has to worry that if you're basically, I don't know, inside the... if If you're not outside or if you're not inside the 30-yard the line that it's like we're scared about a field goal, that is not a good sign at all. And on top of that, the fact that the team has to worry, even if we're inside the 15-yard line, it's not an automatic, that is pathetic. And I'm sorry to say that, but it's the truth. And if I'm the Dolphins... And I've seen it many times. Many teams have. Many playoff teams have done this. It's not like a, a, a Dolphins thing. It's not like something that I'm, I'm thinking the Dolphins should do, but no team's ever done it. I would seriously consider just trying to find a, a, a field goal kicker out there that, I mean, what, like, what are we, if we get a field goal kicker out there, because there's tons of them, like what would be the difference between that person and Jason Sanders? At the end of the day, he's missing 29-yard field goals. You're telling me there's a guy out there that can't be more consistent than that? I don't know. I think it's a legit question that you have to ask. Um, he's been this way really for two years now. Ever since he got his contract, he's been this way to where... I mean, look, he's missed, he, he's missed field goals inside the 40. He missed a 29-yarder. He consistently misses outside of 50. Like, if it's a 50-plus yarder, he's 90% not going to make it. And again... That is the luxury that a field goal kicker gives you is that basically, if you can get the ball to the 30, 35-yard line, you're guaranteed to get points. The Dolphins, I mean, after yesterday, you miss a 29-yard field goal, it's like the Dolphins basically have to score a touchdown in every drive because there's no guarantee you're going to get a field goal, no matter how close you are. And to put this in context, my brother, who is not a field goal kicker at all, does not, he's never played football, neither have I, he went to... Um, uh, Heinz Stadium a couple years back and they had like a field goal competition and he kicked a 29-yard field goal like multiple times in a row now obviously in a game scenario where someone's trying to block it it's different but point is a 29-yard field goal should not be hard to make and the fact that he missed it that's the difference right there in three points okay and on top of it, not only is that the difference in three points, so it would have been a more comfortable lead if you're up 38 to 32. Now the other team has to go all the way down and get a touchdown, which is much harder, so there's less stress. But on top of that, when the Dolphins were inside the 35-yard line, if you had a good enough field goal kicker, you say, hey, let him kick the field goal. So now if he makes that, we're not worrying about the fourth and one pass that Tua missed, You go up by another field goal and you're winning 41 to 32. The game's over right there. You don't have to try to go for that fourth and one. So these are the reasons why your kicker impacts you. It's not just he missed the 29 yarder and that's three points. It's no, no, no. The Dolphins went for it on fourth and one because they didn't believe that Jason Sanders could make a field goal from, I believe it was like the 33 yard line. It was a 50 yard field goal. They didn't believe he could make it. So instead of kicking a field goal which 90% of teams would do they had to go for it because if they miss the field goal okay they're getting it even seven yards further back so when they went for it and didn't get it I, I'm not sure exactly the yard line but it, let's just say it was it was around like the 30 35 say the 30 yard line best case scenario if you miss it they get the ball to 37 if you go for it and don't get it they get the ball at the 30 which is basically where you get it on a kickoff So that's why they went for it. But the Chiefs, the Bills, the Ravens, they go for that field goal because they trust their kicker and he makes the field goal. And now between that and the give me 29 yard field goal that he would have made, you're now up 41 to 32. And we're not here talking about, you know, Tua could have put the game away with this throw or the defense right now, it's a nail biter. And we're talking about this pass interference call. Like, no, no, no. It's not even a close competition. There's four minutes left in the game, and they're down nine points. They have to go down, get a touchdown, and get a field goal, and get the onside kick. The game would have been over. So I'm seriously thinking, like, unless some miracle happens to where against the Browns he's kicking 50-yard field goals like they're 5-yard field goals, like, unless that happens, you're probably going to have to look for a new kicker. Because I think that this team is good enough to get to a Super Bowl. I think this team is at least good enough to win a couple playoff games. And you're not, we all know that kickers are so val, invaluable in those positions. And if you have a kicker that you can't even trust to make a 29 yard field goal, what are we doing here? So that is going to be a serious point of emphasis that I'm sure they're talking about. And they're having to have a hard conversation. Hey, do we need to move off Jason Sanders? Because this team's good enough to make it into games where those field goals are going to matter, 100%. Next thing I want to talk about is the Dolphins' clock management. Now, there's not many negative things I can say about Mike McDaniel. I love Mike McDaniel. Um, the, his, his, his aura about him, his persona, the way he treats his players, the way he interacts with his players, his confidence in backing his players, and Tua love him to death. His game clock management this season, aside from the 4th and seven against the patriots where he had that completion to waddle for a touchdown aside from that his game management his clock management this season has been atrocious and i'm not sure again i don't play or coach football in the nfl i'm not sure how much of it is on mcdaniel but whether it's him or whoever it is in charge of that it has been disastrous like very bad the dolphins at the end of the first half this was where they missed the 29 yarder And even though Jason Sanders is trash and should have made it, the fact that you... Like, the Dolphins were moving the ball at will on that drive. They had that big completion on the third down to Tyreek Hill for, like, 39 yards. And then after that, they ran it, I believe, on first and 10. And then they let the clock go from, like, 59 seconds to 29 seconds. And then they got called for too many men in the huddle. And then now you waste another timeout. So, like, you literally... Ran, what was that? I'm trying to think. Uh, fifty two seconds to twenty nine. You wasted twenty three seconds. You did one play, and you wasted a timeout because you caught got caught with too many men in the huddle. Like right there, where you're out of bounds and there's fifty two seconds left, and you're at I think it was like the thirty yard line maybe. There's no excuse to not get a touchdown. You have over a, you have basically under a minute left with two timeouts inside the 30 yard line, that should have been a touchdown drive. Right there, I know you want to run the football, but why? Tua was dominant. Why are you running the football? And if you do want to run the football and you get no yards, go no huddle or call timeout right there. You don't run the football and act like there's eight minutes left on the clock. His clock management has been absolutely awful. And one of these days, again, that right there is going to be the difference in the game because whether it's Jason Sanders missing the field goal or you being able to in my opinion easily score a touchdown on that drive 52 seconds left with with Hill, Waddle and Gesicki and and Tua is playing lights out football you have 52 seconds, two timeouts and you have to go 30 yards. It's like a cakewalk. And that's the difference again. You do that right there, if you can get a touchdown which 90% of us think they could have, that's seven more points. That's 42 to 32. Like, we're not sitting here talking about how close of a game it was. And it was little decisions like that here and there, especially that one with the clock management, where I'm sitting there with my father-in-law, my fiance, and we're like, what the hell are they doing? Like, what are you doing right now? Why are you running the football and then spending 30 seconds in the huddle? Even the commentators were like, what, the, what are they doing? What's going on here? So the clock management, I don't know if McDaniel's just trying to get cute, I understand the whole philosophy. We don't want them to get the ball back, but like you, you also have to score points. So I understand that they didn't anticipate their kicker missing a 29 yard field goal. Um, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, not ideal. Not ideal that you wasted that much time um, after that beautiful completion, that 39 yard completion to Tyreek Hill. There's no reason why you didn't score a touchdown on that drive. Considering, again, 52 seconds left, two timeouts. That's, oh my God, that's so much time. Especially for someone like Tua with this offense, with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, they need like 30 seconds at most. So it was just really bad. Clock management was awful. And then on the defensive side of the football, I mean, I really got to be careful what I say because I'm not in a good mood when it comes to the defense. Um, As you guys know, listening to this podcast not a fan of Josh Boyer at all and there's legitimately still people out there that believe he called plays all of last year and to those people I just want to know what are you smoking and where can I get some because if you think that Josh Boyer was responsible for the play calling in the second half of last season you're 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 severely mistaken okay and I don't know how much clearer I can get with this Xavier Howard who's the best player on the Miami Dolphins you ever heard of him He is the source saying that Josh Boyer is a fraud and he didn't call plays last year in the second half of the season. Gerald Alexander's wife literally came out and said, my husband and Brian Flores were calling the plays. They took it away from Josh Boyer. And the players are mad because he took credit for something he did not do. And as much as they didn't like Flores, that is a no-no. You do not take credit for what you did not do. And we're seeing it now, the same stuff we saw at the beginning of last season, dropping... Jalen Phillips, and now Bradley Chubb in coverage. What are you doing? They're pass rush specialists. Rush them at the quarterback. You're not getting pressure. Stupid things like you playing a mobile quarterback like Justin Fields, and instead of running zone so your guys can keep an eye on him, you're running man coverage. And then what? Relying on Jerome Baker and Alandon Roberts to make a tackle in the open field? Uh, okay, good luck with that. Drone Bakers and Landon Roberts can't make a, a solid tackle to save their lives unless it's on like fourth and one. So it was just it was just horrible, horrible execution. I'm not sure what film they watched on Justin Fields. I mean, you and I listening to, and, and me talking on this podcast, I'm pretty sure all of us knew. Hey, the, the the Bears have been good the last two weeks, mainly because they started using Justin Fields in the running game. And they just had no answer for it. I understand there was that big run for like 60 something yards where, you know, I think it was like a third down and he ran all the way for the touchdown. I understand certain things like that. It's not on Josh Boyer because your guys have to make the tackles, but there were so many just like, again, run options where it's like, did no one know that Justin Fields can run the football? When you're playing mobile quarterbacks, every single time they are going to do a run option, you go after the quarterback. And you live with the results if they give Khalil Herbert or Montgomery the ball. Because David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert were averaging 2.9 yards a carry. The only reason all of those rushing yards that the Bears had as high of the average of yards per attempt was all because of Justin Fields. Because he had over 11 yards per attempt. He gave, We gave up literally a new NFL record. We made him look like prime time. Prime of his career, Michael Vick. And I know Justin Fields is good, but what are we talking about here? He's not Michael Vick in his prime, guys. There's only one of those. The next closest would be Lamar Jackson. We made Justin Fields look better than Michael Vick in his prime. And we have so many people, and I feel like this is very common with Dolphins fans, where we try to make excuses for our team to make, I guess, to cope with it. And people are sitting here being like, well, Justin Fields is better than people think. Well, that's true, but he's not Michael Vick in his prime. Like, bro, what are we talking about here? We made Justin Fields look way better than he really is. And you can't even use the excuse anymore. We used to be able to use the excuse, well, the secondary's injured. The secondary, like, do we not know that the the Dolphins gave up under 200 yards passing? The Dolphins gave up 123 yards passing. Like, it's not the secondary. It's not. It's the game planning, because again... When you are playing a mobile quarterback, you have to drop your guys in zone coverage. Why? Because in zone coverage, in in man coverage, you are watching your wide receiver. You have to because you don't just have a zone to drop back into. You have to watch him and you have to go toe-to-toe with him. In zone coverage, you are reading the, the quarterback's eyes. And if you're reading the quarterback's eyes, that means you're watching the quarterback. And guess what? If the quarterback breaks out and it starts to run, you know what's coming. The Dolphins did not do that. They ran predominantly man in this game. And so when Justin Fields took off, you are now relying on Jerome Baker or whoever the spy was to make an open field tackle on Justin Fields. That is a recipe for disaster. And so I put 90% of the blame on this game defensively. On or eighty percent of the blame on the coaching, because they did not prepare scheme wise for this team at all, and then the rest of the twenty percent I do put it on the players, because as much as I dis as as little respect as I have for Josh Boyer, players got to play, and I'm sorry Jalen Phillips blocked punt phenomenal. You cannot every single time Justin Fields hands off the ball go for the running back, because what like what what are, what is Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery gonna do? The Dolphins' defense, run defense, has actually been sensational this season. I know we gave up a lot of yards to Justin Fields. That's not the run defense. That's players not being smart, players going for the running back instead of the quarterback, and giving up big gashes on unscripted quarterback runs where there's nothing there. You're playing man, no one sees him open, or no one sees him running, and he just makes some guys miss. The Dolphins' run defense has been sensational, and I hope that this is a lesson learned if we ever face a mobile quarterback, let's play more zone, right? Let's play more zone. That way, when he starts running, we can see it coming and prepare for it. Defense was horrible. There's the mindset that I see a lot of people take that I cannot stand, which is the defense holds up when it matters. That is so flawed to think that. I know they, I know they show up when it matters but the reality is that they've given up 59 points in the last 2 weeks. Are you okay with that? I'm not. I'm not okay with that. Like that philosophy is good for like the Bills game. The Bills game was perfect. Like, yeah, they were letting them march down the field, but guess what? When they got in the red zone, they showed up when it matters. That I can understand. Allowing a team to just punt once in a game. Or I think they punted two times against the Dolphins. That that's not showing up when it matters. That's just at the very end of the game, you got lucky because there technically was a pass interference call that wasn't called. And even if it wasn't called, again, it's you're you're getting lucky because you showed up for one drive. And we can get happy about it and again, we're going to talk a lot about the positives. But I am really happy. The Dolphins are 6 and 3. It's not a time to be upset. But I can't just sit here and ignore the obvious. The Dolphins' defense the last two weeks has been atrocious. We all blamed it at first on playing the Lions to where they have like one of the best offenses, top three in the NFL. Now you just played the Bears, and even though, again, the last two weeks they scored 29 against the Cowboys, who have a good defense, they scored uh, 33 against the Patriots, who have a good defense, okay, I get that. But you should have planned, you should have seen... Uh, and, and, and this is where I, I have such an issue with it, is those teams were caught off guard because those were the first two weeks that Justin Fields started running the football more. You should not have been caught off guard. You knew he could run. That's basically all he can do. His passes were all over the place, accuracy-wise. They ran two plays. Hey, we're going to throw to Cole Komet in the flat. Or we're going to do a quarterback option. Or, hey, Justin Fields, just stand back there. And then when everything breaks down, they're playing man coverage. They won't see it coming. Just run and make the linebacker miss. That's that's all they did all game. And the Dolphins had no answer for it. No adjustments, no nothing. Uh, And it was just, it was sad. It was sad to watch. Um, We've gotten to the point now where this team is being carried by the offense. And I'm just letting you know it's because of Josh Boyer. Because like do the addition by subtraction okay the dolphins let's like let's just apply common sense here the dolphins were really good last year on defense in the second half of the year okay they got even better on defense their cornerbacks aren't the issue we're not giving up a lot of pass yards last week like against the bears we gave up under 125 pass yards so you can't blame it on those injuries the defensive play calling this year has been awful. And Brian Flores left. Hmm. That goes to show me that it's because Josh Boyer is calling plays. And he's not Brian Flores. And even though Brian Flores was an asshole, he was really good at calling plays on defense. That's how he got an NFL coaching job. Head coaching job. Josh Boyer just not it. He's not it. And you can listen to me. Or you can take my word that I don't know a lot and I like to listen to people who have sources from actual players who are in, or who are in the locker room. And I'm sorry, like, are you going to be that stubborn and be like, Josh Boyer called plays off last year? Or are you going to listen to someone like Xavier Howard who told Omar Kelly, who then told other people, hey, Josh Boyer's a fraud. He didn't call plays the second half last season. They literally have it in their contracts. They wanted more money to play for Josh Boyer, him and Emmanuel Ogbo. So we can celebrate the win as we should. But the fact that we gave up that... The, we The fact that we made Justin Fields look like Michael Vick in his prime is unacceptable. I know he's good. He's better than people think. He's not that good. I'm sorry, he's not. And you still won. I know that... They're a high-powered offense, and the last two weeks you've had high-powered offenses. Still, it was easily avoidable. You make adjustments at halftime. No adjustments were made, and week after week now, it's been Tua having to save this team's ass. Okay, so with that being said, let's flip the let's flip the switch to positivity mode because I am actually extremely happy because the Dolphins are six and three, baby. Let's go. In the thick of the playoff race, one game from first in their division, Tua Viloa, Tua is playing some of the best football in the NFL right now. And he's playing some of the best football that we've seen from a Dolphins quarterback since Dan Marino. Probably the best Dolphins quarterback we've seen since Dan Marino. Let me just read this to you. Let, let me tell you, does this interest you? because this is what Tua is playing like right now. Tua right now through nine weeks. Okay. And remember, he's really only played in six, not even six and a half games, six games. He's first in all of these categories, passer rating 115.9 QBR 79.9. Like that's, that's ridiculous. He has an 80 passer rating. That's ridiculous. Normally it's like, if you can get in the high sixties, that's really good. He's first in yards per attempt at 9.2. So all this dink-dunk narrative couldn't be more false. Touchdown percentage, 7%, 7%, 6.9. So 7% of the throws he makes are touchdowns. Expected points added per play, 0.19 first. Net yards per play, 8.54 first. And then on stuff that he's not first in, he's third, fourth, and fourth. He's third in completion percentage at 69.9%. So 70% completion percentage. That's incredible. Interception percentage, 1.4. It's tied for fourth. He has a 5 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio. 15 touchdowns, 3 interceptions. Sack percentage, 3.6%. And we're going to talk about the offensive line a little because they played phenomenal against the Bears. Why? We'll talk about it in a little bit. But Tua right now is playing lights out football. His QBR, his passer rating in week in week 9 his passer rating was 135.7 the next closest quarterback was Joe Burrow with 109.2 so he had a he had 26. 26.5 points higher of a passer rating than the next closest guy and on top of that he threw for 302 passing yards versus Joe Burrow's 206 yards per attempt versus Joe Burrow's 7.4. Zero sacks, three touchdowns versus Joe Burrow's one touchdown. So he's not doing this and only throwing like 13, 20 times a game. And we saw that kind of last season and the year before that. He would have these really good statistical games, but you kind of left being like, well, I don't feel like he did that much. No, 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 no. He's playing the best football in the NFL and, and the team is literally on his shoulders right now. I don't think people quite understand that. We're in this mindset that we're a defensive first team. No, 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 we're not. Tua literally is the only reason this team has a winning record. We're, we're 0-3 without him, and I would make the argument the only two games that we probably could have won without him would be the Patriots game week one, and I, I don't even know. I'm trying to think of another game we could have won. Maybe the Cincinnati Bengals game. If, you know, we knew Teddy was going to play and he prepared the whole week, maybe that game. But the Dolphins legitimately right now, I can't think of more than two games that they would have won if we didn't have Tua at quarterback. If we had Teddy Bridgewater all season, name me more than two games we could have won. There aren't any. There are zero. So, like, when we talk about MVP and we're going to actually, we're going to have this conversation. Tua said we're not afraid to talk about Super Bowls. I'm not afraid to talk about MVP. What does MVP stand for? Most valuable player. If you can name me five players in the NFL more valuable to their team than Tua Vailoa, then hats off to you. I can't. When I think of MVPs in the NFL right now, I don't think of Jalen Hurts. I don't. Because when I look at his team, his team has like the best offensive line, the best defensive line, great running back. And just like the Dolphins, really good wide receivers. I think right now, if Teddy Bridgewater played for the, the Eagles, based off their schedule, they've played no one. I mean, guys, they, the, the hardest game they've played was against the Vikings, and the Vikings are frauds. So, like, if Teddy Bridgewater was on the Eagles, with that good of an offensive line run game, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, the defense is playing lights out. I mean, I don't consider him an MVP. The only people I would consider higher than Tua in the MVP race right now are uh, Josh Allen because of their whole entire offense is predicated around him. And I don't know, maybe like Patrick Mahomes, I guess, just because he's so good. He should always be in the conversation. But like Tua to me, it's like if, if we... I think people think MVP means you're the best player in the NFL. That's not what it means. MVP means you're the most valuable player in the NFL. If you can name me, again, even three guys more valuable than Tua to their team, then hats off, because I can't. And Tua right now, in my opinion, when I look at the whole landscape of the NFL, he's definitely the most valuable player when compared to anyone in the NFC. But if you look at the AFC, legitimately the only people more valuable are than him are, at best, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. But to me, Tua is top three in the MVP race right now, and realistically, I think he's probably two or one because the Dolphins literally t- could not win a game without him. And if he wasn't playing, if you actually watch the games, you see the only reason the Dolphins are winning games is because of the offense. And it's not because of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle because... They, they were 0-3 with those guys with a different quarterback. So like Tua to me is the MVP of our team for sure, and he is 100% in the top three, and he's in the discussion for MVP of the NFL, without a doubt. And if he continues to play like this, and if he goes to the playoffs and wins a game, I legitimately think you have a very strong possibility of your quarterback being the most valuable player of the NFL. So... He's just playing phenomenal football, guys. I mean, two weeks in a row now, 300-plus yards passing, three touchdowns. I mean, a 70% completion rating last week. Tyree Kill, over 140 yards again. Jalen Waddell, a touchdown, and he should have had even more yards. He dropped that easy pass, even though it was underthrown by Tua. He dropped that easy catch right there that would have put him over 100 yards. But if Tua places that ball even better, which, again we need to have a healthy relationship and and support of Tua. It was a bad throw. It was underthrown just like the fourth and one pass was embarrassing. He should have made it just like Josh Allen. I'm sorry, Josh Allen's second best quarterback in the NFL, arguably the best, when he couldn't complete that fourth and one on that out route for the touchdown against Miami. It was embarrassing. It's okay. It's okay. You can have embarrassing throws and still be very good. Tua is playing elite football. Those two throws were embarrassing because you should have hit that right there to Durham Smythe. It wasn't an arm strength thing to all those people that are like, it's arm strength. No, he didn't flip his hips, bad footwork. And I've noticed that a lot with two his throws. His arm strength is getting criticized when it's his footwork and fundamentals that is the issue. He's not aligning his hips. He's not setting his feet. And that's what's affecting his throws. Um, and then on that Jalen Waddle pass, that's not arm strength. That's just your touch. You just and I, I'm assuming it's because these guys are so fast, but he needs to start throwing the ball further because I'd much rather see him overthrow Jalen Waddle a little than under throw it because Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill are fast enough to go get the ball. Um, that wasn't an arm strength thing. That was just him not throwing enough touch on that ball because it, it wasn't even that far. It was like a 20 yard pass. He, he can throw way further than that. It's just it was inaccurate. Jalen Waddle still could have caught it. And that would have put him over 100 yards. But this offense right now is just, I mean, those two throws aside, because you can criticize him on it. They were bad throws. But that doesn't change my outlook on the game that he was sensational. And it's been two weeks in a row now where Tua has over 300 yards passing, three touchdowns, no picks. And I feel like the difference this year from years past is that In years past, I feel like he's had good completion percentage, but he's thrown under 250 yards most games and one to two touchdowns max. No, this year right now, he's played in six games and he has 15 touchdowns. He's averaging two and a half touchdowns a game, 0.5 interceptions per game, and he's at 1,980 yards, almost 2,000 yards, and he's played in six games. So he's averaging over... 300 yards per game throwing like he is much better this season much better on third down he's practically unstoppable like there were a couple third downs yesterday we didn't complete which i was shocked because on third down he's like he's literally the most efficient third down quarterback since the stat was first taken in 1991 so he's the most efficient third down quarterback at least in the last 31 32 years that's wild to me that is wild. and this this is something that you know I'm hoping the Dolphins don't need to rely on two as much down the stretch because I hate when teams have to rely on quarterbacks. I think you need to play good fundamental football. but the way to is playing right now if the defense could just get their heads out of their asses and play like top fif- excuse me top 15 football because right now we're like bottom 10. Uh, aside from rushing yards per game, we're like bottom 10. Um, If the Dolphins could just play like decent football, like 15 or 16th in the NFL, the Dolphins are plenty good enough to get to the Super Bowl. The way two is playing, Jimmy Garoppolo got to a Super Bowl and he wasn't playing nearly as good as this. Two is playing phenomenal. And I kind of had that realization against the Bears, even though it wasn't cold, it wasn't at all, There's nothing in this offense that tells me Tua won't be able to play well in the cold weather. I still want to see that because I think we can all agree, even though we support Tua and we're crazy fans of him and he's playing elite top three football in the NFL, like he has struggled in the cold weather. It's not uncommon for quarterbacks because everyone has to play in the cold weather. It gets windy. Your arm obviously gets the gets tighter. Because it's not as loose and not as warm. So I still want to see how he does with the colder weather. I want to see how this team does. Because in cold weather you need to be able to run the football a lot more. But like there's nothing in this offense that I think he wouldn't be able to do when it's cold. Because you actually could create a good game plan to where most of Tua's passes are like within 30 yards. Like a lot of his passes are crossing routes and curl routes like 20-25 yards. Maybe passes over the middle for 15 But like he's not having to throw all these crazy deep passes. It's a beautiful offense for him. So I don't think he'll struggle that much in the cold weather, honestly. Because in years past, where you've had guys with no separation, and he's had to throw these 40, 50-yard passes on the money in cold weather games, that's not this offense anymore. He's going to have to throw 15, 20-yard passes, and he can 100% do that. The one thing I do want to see from Tua, though, is, like I mentioned... A lot of people talk about his arm strength. I really the more I watch him, that's a lazy take. And I've made that take before that like his arm isn't as strong. And and that is true. It's not as strong as other people. But a big issue is like sometimes too his footwork isn't there. I don't know why. Like that fourth and one pass to Durham Smythe. I've seen it with Patrick Mahomes. I've seen it with Josh Allen. Like quarterbacks nowadays just don't all the time put in the right fundamentals and it's weird because two is supposed to be like this mechanic and he is like on RPOs the way he can flip his hips and set his feet is incredible with the speed he can do it at but sometimes he just like forgets about it and on that pass to Durham Smythe it's not an arm strength thing like everyone everyone as soon as two is like off on a throw or he throws it short we think it's an off throw we think he like can't throw it that far no 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 like you can just not be accurate Right, uh, if you've ever played catch before, like I can throw the ball forty yards. I've played catch before where I'm throwing the ball to you know my fiance and she's five yards away and I throw it low. Doesn't mean that I have a weak arm. It's just you're inaccurate. And Tua on a couple passes, I'm just like I don't really know what footwork or what we're doing on footwork. And I would love in the off season to see him get with an actual quarterback coach, stay with perform. To train and get your body the right way, but I'd love to see him get with an actual quarterback coach and just train the whole offseason on footwork because I think that we've kind of just given him the pass on fundamentals and mechanics because he was so good naturally coming out of college with it, but I think he needs work on it because there are a couple of plays where I'm like, it's not arm strength, it's him not setting his feet or aligning his hips the right way, right? We saw that with the preseason. Kurt Warner even talked about it. That deep bomb to Tyree Kill, everyone said it was underthrown. No, it's because Tua had his hips on an angle to the right, and he was throwing it straight, so he didn't get as much power behind it. Um, so that's an area he definitely needs to address. And also the Soldier Field, like Soldier Field's grass is horrible. It's been rain, like I, I hate it. I, it's kind of like one of those things with the heat. The heat isn't an advantage. It's a, it's a mutual disadvantage. Same thing as like rain and bad grass. It's not, it's not your advantage and like every team should be required to have good grass and if you can't have good grass because of the weather then you need to get like get a dome or something because you're, you're risking players getting injured and there were multiple plays there was at least three that I counted where Tua was about to throw a pass and he slips and it's either a short pass to Jalen Waddle or he slips trying to throw a screen and it's almost called as intentional grounding like the field was horrible um, and, and I don't really think it's an advantage for either team. It's like a mutual disadvantage. Um, but nonetheless, guys, this was an important win. As we talked about two weeks ago, the Dolphins need to go 4-0 these next four weeks. Will they? I have no idea. They need to go 4-0 these next four weeks. Because we play the Browns, then we have a bye week, then we play the Texans. And if we can come out of that 8-3, and three, that means that realistically, with how good the AFC is... You know, especially with the AFC East, everyone has a winning record. The Dolphins are going to probably have to have, to, to guarantee you to get into the playoffs, you're going to have to have 11 wins. And so if you can win the easy games the next two weeks, you can then go in your last six games and all you have to do is go 500. You don't have to win all of them. There's not a lot of pressure. Just win three games. I look at the Jets game at the end of the season. I, I look at the Patriots And I look at the Packers and the Chargers, all teams that the Dolphins could beat right there, four teams. And then the 49ers, it's like, well, they both know each other's scheme and you're playing Jimmy Garoppolo, who you've had a lot of success with. There's no reason we couldn't win that game, right? The Buffalo Bills, I don't think we'll beat them. But I look at the last six games and I'm like, the Dolphins should be able to win three of them for sure. So it's going to be an important stretch coming up. I do have concerns about the defense. Mike McDaniel's play or clock management was horrible, and Jason Sanders probably shouldn't be playing for the Dolphins anymore. But to a tongue of Ilo, I mean it, it's hard to complain when your quarterback is playing the best football in the NFL, and he's playing the best football we've seen from a Dolphins quarterback in my lifetime since Dan Marino. I I, I wasn't alive when he played, so it's the best quarterbacking I've ever seen from a from a dolphins quarterback. So it's hard to complain. And again, I want people to understand that when I when I criticize and when I say the things about Josh Boyer and the the clock management stuff, it's because I try to be fair. I don't just want people to come on this podcast and it's like, "Man, the Dolphins like the, the reality is I I talk to a lot of you guys who listen. I know that a lot of you aren't always just positive positive like you do criticize certain things. And I like to keep it fair. Same thing with Tua like I lost my voice at the Steelers game cuz I rooted for Tua so hard. It doesn't mean that we can't criticize him on certain throws. It, that's 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 called being healthy. It's like being in a relationship and you never argue. You're going to argue, it's fine. You're going to criticize Tua. Crit- Tua can't be perfect. He's playing pretty damn near perfect, but every quarterback messes up. Josh Allen again lost then the game against Miami cuz he couldn't complete a 4th and 1 pass. Tua missed on that pass. It was because of his hips and he underthrew Jalen Waddell on an easy touchdown. It's okay, because he's playing pretty damn near perfect, and it's impossible for a quarterback to be perfect, even if he is playing MVP caliber football. It's okay. And, you know, while I am happy the Dolphins are winning, I do have to address certain issues I have, because that I feel like that's my job too. I feel like that's my job as a podcaster, is to talk about the team, both the good and the bad. And I hope you appreciate that. Listening, I hope you're not like, man, Anthony's always negative and he's not happy. No, no, no. I'm I'm actually really happy. (laughs) The Miami Dolphins are six and three. I mean, that's not common. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like the last three years it's been more common to have a winning record, but in my lifetime it hasn't been common. So I'm enjoying it. However, I am gonna call out things that I see that I don't like. Um, and even the two of stuff. The two of stuff I'm just I'm just saying it because I need to be fair. Uh, I don't want to because I wish I I just want to come out here and be like two is the greatest quarterback of all time, <laughs> you know, but I, I need to be fair. I need to be valid. Um, but that stuff I don't even really care about. It's more so like the defense, you know, again, I, I know I don't know everything. I know I don't have sources like inside the building, but I listen and follow and talk to people who I trust and I and who I know have not only sources in the coaching staff and the scout department but also like literal players in that locker room and when i hear things like josh boyer's a fraud coming from some of your best players on your defense i'm gonna trust them and we're starting to see it this season i just hope that um you know it doesn't come to bite us in the ass later on between that the clock management and jason sanders Ooh, actually man i just thought of something i I didn't talk about um three things i want to talk about real quick Jeff Wilson and Bradley Chubb additions. Bradley Chubb, um, there's only so much he can do. I There was three plays where he should have had sacks. It's just Justin Fields made something happen. But Bradley Chubb looked good. Jeff Wilson looked phenomenal. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if within the next three weeks, he was our RB1. And I never think there's going to be a true RB1. But Raheem Mostert dropped a pass. And Wilson just seems to have a good burst. He has more power than Raheem Mostert and he seems to be reliable in the passing game so far. He had a great touchdown catch where he dove for the pylon, as Tua said, like Reggie Bush. He looked great. He looked phenomenal, and he was one of the best players yesterday against the Bears. And then the other two things I want to talk about, Cedric Wilson. I'm happy they incorporated him more in the offense. Not sure why they haven't. I think it's just because Trent Shurfield has been so good. Uh, He's kind of... You know, I was listening to uh, Finn Too Deep with Reason and Neil, and they brought up a great point where, you know, Sherfield has kind of been like an upgraded Mac Collins. He's just reliable. He's steady. He may not be as explosive as Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, but he's great at blocking. He's a reliable pass catcher, and he's pretty shifty, actually. Um, but I do like what Cedric Wilson brought. Again, that one drive, I think it was the second drive of the game for Tua. He completed like passes to five different receivers and one of them was like a 12, 14 yard pass to Cedric Wilson. I liked how Cedric Wilson looked and I'm hoping that as the season goes along, they can start incorporating him into the offense a little bit more. Uh, I also like him as a punt returner, but I said that last week too. I like him as a punt returner. Like uh, I think they found their new punt returner. Don't put Hill, Waddle, or Holland back there. They're too valuable. Put Cedric back there. He's shifty enough and fast enough to make stuff happen. And then the last group, the offensive line. And this podcast is getting long. It's at nearly 50 minutes. I apologize. Um, but Cedric Wilson, or Cedric Wilson, the offensive line looked very good. I don't know the exact numbers. I'm not a huge, like, analytics person of looking at PFF grades. Not that I, you know, it's nothing against people who do. It's just I I don't. I, I just more so care the eye test. And there were very few plays where i saw Tua having a lot of pressure there was like one or two where like you know he had to make a guy miss but like that's every offensive line i've seen the eagles play where they have the best offensive line in the nfl and jalen hurts has had pressure in his face they're they're not perfect but all i'm going to say is this Leah michenberg's not in the lineup anymore and all of a sudden you have better pass protection brandon shells playing really good for, like I legitimately am looking at this right now and I'm like, I don't know what Austin Jackson does now when he comes back. I don't like, like what does he do? Does he replace Brandon Shell? Cause Brandon Shell's is playing really good football right now, at least in my opinion off the eye test. He's not playing like elite football, like Armstead, but he's playing good football. And I'm like, I don't know what you do with Austin Jackson. Because before he got injured, he looked like he was playing the best football he's ever played as a Dolphin. But do you replace Brandon Shell, who's playing really well? Or do you move Austin Jackson to left guard and kick out Robert Jones, who is playing good football? And now Austin Jackson's having to play at a new position. Honestly, I think you just kind of let Austin Jackson heal as much as he needs to. I don't think you need him back right now. And knowing how Teron Armstead can get injured a lot, I would honestly just use uh, Austin Jackson as your swing left tackle. Because even though he's not great at left tackle, if you're going to have a bad offensive lineman, don't let it be onto his blind side. Put Austin Jackson left tackle. So I think you know Liam Meichenberg won't play the rest of the season. But let Austin Jackson heal. There's no need to rush him back. And when he comes back use him as a swing tackle because you're probably going to have injuries to your offensive line and just fit him in when need be. And he's a great offensive lineman to kind of fit in as a backup, as a swing. Um, But again, you know, uh, it's unfortunate the Liam injury, but sometimes, you know, you can can get addition by subtraction. And I really think that the loss of Liam Meikenberg, I think, uh, if I'm being honest, I think a lot of people in that coaching staff kind of took a breath of fresh air because I think the Liam Meikenberg situation was being forced on by Chris Greer, who wanted his pick to work out. I don't think if you and I, and again, this is something that Reason said on his channel, if you and I who don't know a lot about football think that Liam's bad, what do you think the guys who actually know about football are thinking and saying? So I think a lot of those guys kind of Hope he gets healed. Obviously, you never want to see a guy get injured, but I think a lot of them might. It might be kind of like a weight off their shoulders because they can play the guy who they think is better now that Liam isn't there. So, again, for the, the offensive line, look really good. I I don't think the pass rush of the Bears is anything to write home about, but certainly it's some of the best offensive line play we've seen from them all season. And if it continues, that that that's a really good sign for your Miami Dolphins. So. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm thinking of starting to do three podcast episodes a week. Monday would be review of the game. Wednesday, we'll look at all 22, which we won't look at it live. I'll look at it and talk about some extra things I saw in the game. And then Friday, we will review or preview the the next week's matchup. I'm thinking of doing that just because I want to give you guys more content um, and uh i have a a subscription to game pass anyway so i get the all 22 regardless so i might as well make the most out of it and you know talk about it with you guys so that's all i have hope you enjoyed today's episode again subscribe on whatever podcast streaming service you're listening on give it a five-star review if you like what you hear i always like feedback of what i can get better at what you like what you don't like uh just keep it you know kind and fair uh, and I'll do my best to, to to make this show as good as possible for you guys. I appreciate your support. Have a great rest of your day. See you next time here on the Finn Sports Football Podcast. Fin's up. Miami has a Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl because we're the Miami.